0: Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you to everyone who has left reviews. I'm really grateful. If you leave a review on iTunes, please just let me know, and I will do a free oracle card reading, and I'm really excited about this week's episode. I have Emma Jung as my guest. She's a therapist, an energy healer. Cosmic channeler, Vedic astrologer, intuitive psychic, and she creates beautiful sacred smudge fans and art. And she has huge knowledge within starseed origins. And she has been on the podcast previously. And in this episode, we talk about Vedic astrology. We get into the Hindu deities and planets, the gods. Uh, We talk about the moon and the sun and also Rahu and Ketu, the north node and south node and how this is all a part of our birth chart and our soul's essence and she really gets into details so it's really a beautiful episode, a beautiful sharing from Emma, if you want to get in touch with her, all of her links are in the show notes. So enjoy this week's episode. Hi Emma, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank
0: you. So glad to have you here. Oh, well, I'm very glad to join you again. Yeah, you were <laughs> here uh, a couple of months ago and we had such a beautiful talk about Atlantis and yeah, a lot of great and fun topics, and I'm excited about today's topic. Um, we're gonna talk about Vedic astrology, one of the topics, and uh, maybe you want to start by introducing yourself again to those that might not have listened to the first podcast we did together.
1: Well, um, my name is Emma, I am Swedish as well, and I Work uh, as an astrologer, uh, artist, healer, medium, intuitive. Uh, I don't know. I, I do so many things. <laughs> it's just like a yeah. list of things. But I, and I, I work with, uh, I'm very interested in and work with star seed channeling and all these mm-hmm. cosmic multidimensional things. And the Vedic astrology really speaks to me because it's the original astrology. many, 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 many thousands of years ago. (laughs) So I'm excited to talk about that.
0: Yeah. yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, because uh, I do share a lot of astrology, but I'm not in the Vedic uh, astrology lineage. So I have a lot to learn as well from the Vedic. I've studied a, a bit, but I'm not that familiar with it. So maybe... Do you want to talk about like the origins and the the foundation of Catholic astrology from your point and how did you get into it?
1: Well, um, sure, sure. I the unlike many, I I started with a Vedic. A lot of people, including mm-hmm. my teacher, um, started with a Western because that's what's most well known. Um, I usually, with with most of my clients and people I talk to, have to go through this, you know, what, what is, why, why am I, why, blah, 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 sorry, <laughs> why are my signs different, um, and all of this, mm. so um, I thought that we might start with the origins, and so I found it, because when I started my journey, towards self discovery and healing and studying to be a therapist and healer and all this. Um, it was kind of, we, everybody also went to this wonderful astro- astrologer in Gothenburg called Johan Andau. Mm-hmm. He is brilliant. Um, studied in India, New York, and also has had connections with, with, uh, the Pleiadian Syrian and all other kind of emissaries who Mm -hmm. have also taught him things. So that's where I started my astrology journey. So that's all I've known. And that was maybe nine years ago. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then a few years ago, I started to study it myself to uh, work with it. Um, So I've studied it for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, So, well, the origins, because if we talk about the Vedic astrology, we have to have a lot larger or bigger uh, timeframes. Uh, every time frames work in cycles, as we know. So it's like, but I'll start from the beginning. Mm. You do know because you are a yogi, the, the gods Shiva, um, Vishnu, Brahma, mm. I'm guessing, yeah. and all the others.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you can also mention them for the listeners if you want to get into that. Yeah, sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Um, and just just um, when I get going, I can just it it becomes like a channeling thing, or I just yeah. chat. So if you want, you can just like interrupt me if you want to ask me something. <laughs> no, <laughs> so it's so not well. like a forty minute lecture all by myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, that's. Um, I'm it's, just saying it's that.
1: Fun so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. so Shiva is Pluto,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Vishnu is Neptune, um, Brahma is Uranus. Mm-hmm. So um, Shiva is the, is the. It's in the ancient Veda scriptures. So I'll just. I'll, I'm trying to find where I should start because what yeah. is the beginning? But. Like Shiva, there is no beginning and no end. He is the only one who has not got any uh, origin story. He just exists. Uh, the other ones have different birthing stories, as I'm sure you know. Uh, Vishnu walked out of the water um, and so on. So, But because Shiva has never had any myth on how he came to be, hmm uh, it's, it's, uh, generally believed by many who worship him that he has just always been there. And theref- therefore he's like the perfect description or, um, symbol of consciousness because there's no beginning and there's no end. And, and funnily enough, he represents death. So in that we, we learn that death is, is just a transformation. There is no death. There is no ending. It's just a Shifting into a different kind of state. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so these three represent those three outer uh, planets. And in the chart, then you can look at that as your higher guides and how they work. But we'll, we'll wait with that. What happened, according to legend, is that Shiva was sitting on his mount, Mount Kailash, which is, I learned just the other day, is uh, apparently the crown chakra on Earth. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Um, He was sitting there which is and was his um, place of meditation and then seven men, I think it was, uh, walked up to him and I don't know the full story, I will say, but they went there and he gifted them this uh, knowledge of astrology and this was obviously a long, 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 long time Mm -hmm. ago. Um, And also show them then how it's supposed to be working as a transformative um, tool. Because that's essentially what it is or what it has been, uh, what the point of it is. Um, The planets all have inherent light. They all have inherent energy. Um, They... And and the chart kind of shows what the soul had in mind before incarnating. What is the what is the purpose of my incarnation this time? Uh and so the Vedic astrology um is very multi-layered. Mm. It's very there's like I think up to sixty subcharts that you can do. Mm. I don't know how it works in Western, I will say, because I have never studied that. So I will I, I'm very, I'm not knowledgeable in that. <laughs> so if I say something that's not true about that, then you you just cut in. Mm. Um, but um, the Vedic is very, uh, in that sense, very subtle, and there is a lot of layers, and there's very, very, there's a lot of different angles you can have mm. besides the basic. Chart of this is how it looked when I was born. So, and this is—I mean—they found um, scriptures uh, eight thousand or more. I don't—I'm not sure about that, but I mean, I know between six and eight thousand years ago, the scriptures that also depict yoga mm-hmm. and Ayurveda and all of these—they also describe the astrology. Because that's what people, a lot of old cultures, they lived in tune with this, the skies and the stars, um, the Sumerians, uh, China, India, all of these, they, this is very well known. It's depicted in the Bible. And when, you know, they follow the stars, that is not the Western astrology, that's the Vedic um, and all of us. So because the Western astrology is about 500 years old, but I'll get to that um so so yes, and I know I was thinking i 've heard this a long time ago, but I was thinking about it yesterday, uh because of this call, and I was like going through things in my mind, like, How was it now,' and you know, trying to remember all this and trying to put it together um, I know that because of these scriptures describe all of this, it was a description of how did life work back then. And it was the yoga and the eight limbs of yoga. I'm sure, you know, mm. that and and the Vedas and also this astrology and the description of, of the divine and that those texts are where the word God comes from, mm. essentially, which means the generator, the upholder or the operator, I mean, um, and destruction, structure. structure. Mm. And that is also... Uh, Uranus, uh, Neptune and Pluto, which, uh, Shiva. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're kind of interchangeable in mm-hmm. my mind, so. Um, so yeah. And so that's what they represent, basically. The cosmic law of that everything is born, comes into being. Uh, Brahma is the the one who kind of uh, creates the, the creator. Uh, Like Uranus is also the creator, the the lightning bolts, the energy with new ideas, new energy um, coming in. Neptune is more of like sustainability and and searching for truth and uh, lifting illusions and development and the journey. Um, And then Pluto and Shiva comes with the inevitable ending or transformation into another phase. Mm -hmm. And this is like the, the most ultimate, if you can ever talk about an absolute truth, in our universe anyway, this is, I feel, the closest we get to it. Everything has to be created, sustained, and then destroyed. Mm. Uh, whether it be a human, a planet, a star, a thought, a plant, mm. anything. and You know, a state of mind, um, a tsunami, mm. everything has to obey this law. So, and these three planets or three gods represent this process. And this is essentially what God is, mm. which is I like what I usually go <laughs> into saying when people ask me if I believe in God. I'm like, yes, but,
0: and mm. then I go <laughs> into
1: that rant, <laughs> mm. um, which is interesting, I think, mm. because, uh, you know, and then religions... Came about and started to use these. That's generally what we know have happened. They take and use what has been believed by the people to try and make the transition easier. You know, with Christmas was uh, winter solstice. Um, There's been there's a lot of sources saying that Jesus was not born on solstice, but they changed it because it fits with the celebration, and then it's easier for people to just you know change into Mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and, you know, like with, and, and so, so, so yes, mm. anyway. Um, so this is, uh, the origins was astrology or th- rather the knowledge of the skies and the universe and how to work with it was gifted to humanity from Shiva. And if we know that Shiva is consciousness, it is essentially the gift from consciousness itself so you have to look at it's very there's a lot of mythology in in these vedic traditions and that's why we have to kind of look at how is it actually it's not really meant to be interpreted physically i think or like verbatim it's it's very um symbolic mm. well you can choose if you believe it was actually happening i I'll, I'll leave that with listeners but that's what they say Mm -hmm. and this was like ages ago and then what it shows is how to reach um your your full development it is a way of looking at how to grow as a soul what are my current challenges what are my current karmic attachments what have i chosen as a soul to work on in this lifetime and this is what you see in the chart depending on where the planets are and also to look at it as what can i learn from it um it's always there to be transformed Mm -hmm. even if it's a planet that would be called a malefic or you know a negative aspect it still has a gift for you it still has something that you could interpret or transform into a power or a um a blessing mm. um so and there are a lot of aspects that are unlike and i don't know if we should go into that or if i should talk about more how i've learned that the western has um uh, been originated yeah sure what are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, we can get into that <laughs> for sure. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I've, maybe it's a good idea to just like distinguish what are the differences yeah. or wh- where do they come mm. from? Uh, what? Why are they different and, and in what way? Because I mean, the Western is, is great in so many ways. It really is. And it's not like it's untrue, mm. I, won- I want to say. Um, but the way I've, been taught it, or the way that it's said is that around the fifteen hundreds, the churches, the popes, the um, the religious leaders, and I'm I'm guessing. My my feeling is, and I've learned that it's the pope, so mm-hmm. it's the Catholic Church, or well, Christianity. Let's say just Christianity, that um, created this Western astrology um, and. And they kind of cut off. This was very deliberately done. I want to say, mm. they cut off the connection to the the movement in the skies. Mm. So they they created an astrology that is based on the Earth's. Um, we say Swedish dog. Do you have a good word for that? That's like That's the, the solstices yeah. and like the Beltane and Samhain and all these. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I don't, I don't have know a word for it in
1: English. <laughs> yeah, like the... Well, well the, anyway, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. These, these pagan kind of, from the beginning, pagan yes. um, um, seasonal changes. So Beltane, Samhain, Easter, um, Solstice, Summer and Winter, and all of these. They they create an, an astrology that was based on these and it's kind of like the calendar where you would you want to structure and trap the very free concept of time into a very 3d frame Mm. so so we have something that we have to humanity has to adhere to and fit into this kind of trapping thing Mm. and so they they created an astrology which is the signs are the same, the houses are the same, so they symbolize the same thing. But they did what they had done with the with the religions and the solstices and all this, with this as well. Because, and then the timing is is dated based on Earth's time, mm. uh, the time that kind of moves here, and so there's no interest, there's so connection to what is happening in the skies. Mm. The charts are set by Earth's rhythm. So therefore, the Western astrology is more depictive, descriptive um, of your, your earthly energy. Mm. So your personality. And that's why people do recognize themselves. It is very, I mean, it is accurate still, I recognize myself in my Western chart, it's not like it's untrue, as I said. Mm. But it has a more, it kind of describes more the earthly tones. Whereas the the Vedic, they follow the actual astronomical movements. Mm. And at the 1500s, then they had the same charts. They looked the same because, well, they were the same. Mm. But skies move a bit different than Earth. It's, you know, some planets don't have the same... um, Elliptical movements. Uh, they, they are very erratic, some of them. And the universe is expanding and time is shifting and all of this. So after all this time, 600, 500, 500 years, probably, um, we are in the Vedic 23 degrees behind now, mm. the Western. Because the Western is ticking along, you know, as it has been. Mm. The Vedic is following you know, the natural movements of the skies. And that is a bit different. So, and it's kind of, the gap is widening, but it's very slow. So 23 degrees in 500 years, wow. <laughs> it's shifted. Yeah. So, and that's why the signs are different. And that's why in, in the Vedic, I'm an Aries ascendant and I'm a, I'm a Gemini, mm. but in the Western, I'm Taurus ascendant and I'm a Cancer. Mm. But it can also be because the houses have 30 degrees each that you are the same. Mm. Depends on the degree of your planet, uh, the sun or or the ascendant and all this. So it doesn't have to be shifted. I have a couple of friends who are the same sun Mm -hmm. signs, for instance. But um, is that depending on which degree you're born in? If it's
0: earlier, late then? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so for instance, if I, I have a friend who is uh, sun uh, in uh, Taurus, I think on Sierra degrees, Vedic, which means that she would be like a 23 degree in the Western, but still Taurus, mm. because it needs to be, you know. Um, if she would have been 16 degrees sun in Taurus, it would shift over to Gemini for Western. Mm,
0: yeah. So
1: so that's how you see it, yeah. and, and this is... Um, the the big difference and the reason for the difference of them so and it was done so that people would look to the churches instead of their own uh inner searches there is a lot of other things in the vedic astrology that i don't think exists in the western we have the Dasha and the Nakshatras. Have you heard I've about heard those? I have heard about
0: those. I would love for you to explain a little bit more about them. I've heard, I heard it yeah, when
1: I listened because... to Vedic astrology. Yeah, and I thought because those are a bit complex. And a lot of people, when I'm um, because you have to kind of expand, it's more multi dimensional, it's more mystical, it's more moon based. Mm then the western as well mm-hmm. the western is very much what is my sun sign mm-hmm. um which is important I, of course it is but the West, the vedic i'm gonna get my words <laughs> straight now the vedic is more moon-based yep. and soul-based so you look at where's the moon and in what aspect of what stars does the moon get placed and that creates your nakshatra. So if we go into the nakshatra, it is the star that is accompanying your moon. So there are 27 different ones and they are placed around the chart.
0: Hmm.
1: So they usually they are called sometimes the 27 wives of the moon uh, or 27 moon stations. I know that there are 28th one which is Vega, and it's like a star one. It's just a star. It's very, you know, it's like the other dimension. So very few, I think it's, it's barely even there. So I won't go into that. That's very out there. Mm. Not many astrologers use that one. But so depending on where the moon is, the nakshatra describes your moon, your inner environment, your emotional environment, your temperament, your... Um, Sexuality, temperament. Your um, what, what are your pitfalls in your ego? Uh, what does your ego want to do? What did your what does your emotional soul urge? What it what was the point? What what makes you tick? What what drives you on an emotional level? And it's not just emotional in the vedic I will say because I think many people misinterprets the moon as it, oh, it's just emotions, just flowing. Sorry, I didn't mean to sound (laughs) like disrespectful, but it's much more subtle than that. It's all of your, it's the way towards liberation because you have to clarify your emotional waters Mm. to get to your sun soul energy. The way they see it in India and in the traditional sense is that up to 30, when your Saturn return has ended, you live a lot, um, based on your ascendant, your rising mm. sign, your personality, you know, it's, it's like the teenager is very physical. It's very, um, you can feel more attached to your ascendant sign before mm. 30. And then the, the point of it is, I mean, this is also based on what you choose as a human, but the point of it is to move deeper into yourself, into your moonscape and see what is there, what you need to process, what you need to integrate. Learn your inner environment and your and your emotional uh, flows to go deeper into your inner wisdom. And then after, I think it's forty five fifty ish then if you have and when you have integrated all this, then you will take on your soul energy and work and live and bloom in that. So then your sun sign will come into play. So sometimes you might not feel it. You might feel very connected to your sun sign. I'm not saying that you're not feeling any of this before these ages, Mm. but that's the general kind of flow of life Mm. that traditionally was seen. So I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, It makes sense. It
0: makes so much sense. It's so true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think also with all these, you know, the Saturn region between 27 and 30, the classical crisis of, Development and when you're supposed to leave your imprints behind and become who you really are, and that's a very crisis. a crisis energy. A lot of people think it's difficult, even if you know about it. It's difficult mm-hmm. because you have to be, you have to let go of everything that is not you. Mm-hmm. That is what it serves you with. And then, depending on where Saturn is and how it's, you know, aspected, it's it's difficult in different ways, and it will show up in different ways. So. And then you have Uranus opposition at 40, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like this lightning bolt of Kundalini that is going to, you know, come Mm -hmm. in if it's, you know, aligned in a good way for you. If you have done what you're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. then that happens. Sometimes it happens anyway, and it's it's a next crisis, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) And then that's an opening for you to deepen your, your spiritual journey. And then you have Chiron return at 50. Mm-hmm. And then you will sit in your wisdom. And so the the Indian traditions or like the, the Vedic traditions is, that's why the marriages and the families and the culture in there, they, they, they marry very early and they have a lot of children early because you do that before 30. Mm-hmm. And then you move in and sit or 40, maybe it's actually before Uranus. Because when Uranus comes, you're supposed to sit with that. you have to meditate what is your Kundalini energy? you have to work with that to be you know searching and and processing this up through the crown to reach your sun energy, and then chiron return is the the opening of the spirit the the eternity your 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 soul um, I almost said soul gas in there, mm-hmm. but it's kind of what it is you know it's an opening uh, an eruption of connection with your higher self but that is based on you having done all this work mm. if you haven't it's going to just be painful probably yeah um you know which is why a lot of people have midlife crisis mm. they have probably not dealt with saturn return mm. you know they reg reg regredi- regress mm. is that what you yeah. say in english <laughs> <laughs> yeah they go back mm. to that and you know find the youth again because they kind of maybe they didn't release what they needed to be released from at that time. So um, where was I before this? What did we talk so, about?
0: Yeah, we, we got in. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to, this is a good time to ask, because uh, <clears throat> yeah. we know, like, I've written a lot about the personalities <laughs> of the planets. Now that you've been talking mm. about the mm. pla- like the planets, could you, like, talk about... The planets and their, like how they are seen in Vedic astrology, what they symbolize. Yes. Because I think that's so interesting.
1: Great, yeah. lovely. I would love to. <coughs> Wonderful. Okay, um, so let's start with the sun. Hmm. Then, um, so the sun, as I said, it's um, it's generally seen as your soul energy. It's your light. It's your motivation. It is very connected to the Leo. It, it rules Leo mm. house. Um, it also is connected to Atlant- Atlantis. Mm. Um, Sirius. Sirius is our son's son. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we go back. Um, it is very, um, it has a lot to do with, with uh, independence, uh, your own drive. Um, confidence obviously the father the biological father so it's also you know symbolically could mean your own inner masculine It's the masculine energy uh, basically Um, so where the sun is in the chart you can see where how the connection to your father is uh, how the connection to your own motivation your your glow your inner light um so if it is for instance hidden in the 12th house you might have some issues stepping up and taking your own space you might have some issues with um allowing your your motivation to to hold if you haven't integrated it you have to integrate it Um, after you've done that it won't be a problem Mm um so where the sun is in the chart there you have a lot of energy you have a lot of light you have a lot of fire there's a lot of power um so kind of depends on the aspects of it i'm realizing it could be a bit hard to describe but it's generally this that i've said and the relationship with father as the moon is with the mother um the sun just like the it's a bit more ethereal in a way in the Vedic. I'm, I'm feeling when I do this, I kind of tune into the energy of it. And then I realize I'm having a hard time to put words mm. on it because it's really soulfully um, aligned. It's, it's hard to put words on something, something that is um, connected to, to the soul, you know. Mm. Um, I'm going to see if I can find uh, some notes. Because I know there is. Um... Nah, no, I'm not gonna do that. Anyway, the sun, yeah, it is. It is your light. Mm-hmm. It is your. It is your like sun, sunshine, your inner sunshine. And the sun is also like our. It's an entity in itself. It's raw. Is what the Egyptians called it. That's also what the Syrians call it. It's an. It's an energy. It is ascending as well now it's a star so it's kind of sending out its energy towards earth now and that's why we are also starting to ascend and moving into and and like uh moving into fourth dimension which is why time is is moving a bit weirder now it's moving quicker time is collapsing everything things that took two thousand years to happen before might happen in a hundred years now or things that on a personal level would have taken you 10 years to process. You might be over and done with in six months. Everything is speeding up because we are moving out of that dimension. Mm. And that is because our son is doing that. So essentially where you have your son in the chart is where you uh, are connected to your soul and very much can describe your core essence, your ascendant sign, your rising house could describe your personality. Um, for instance, I'm an Aries. Um, so I'm, I can be very impulsive. I can be very quick. I can be very fiery. I can be very, um, you know, energetic and, um, quick to anger sometimes, Mm. (laughs) but I'm a Gemini son. So what I'm doing now is more connected to my soul uh, than it is to my ascendant. You know, communicating, talking, uh, channeling, um, and all this. So, um, it's also very friendly. The sun is the loyal friend. Um, you know, the, the the father of the light, um, the the divine masculine, definitely connected to that like the moon is connected to the divine feminine and our emotions and uh, our mother It describes as I said the nakshatra I can go into that now when we're going to the moon that's where we were Um, because depending it's it's, the houses do say something about your moon energy Uh, it describes your connection to your mother it describes your connection to your own inner mother motherhood Uh, emotional um, awareness, emotional maturity, emotional challenges, and all this. Um, You can also see if you're born on the full moon or new moon and how that would affect your life. The nakshatra that you're born in, which is placed around the chart, uh, then describes your inner environment a bit further. So, um, and they are also divided up in three sections, which is... uh, Generate, uh, generative, um, operative, and destructive. So, and within those three, there are also different ones that are godlike, manlike, and uh, demonic or raksha. It's not demonic as we know the word. So I'm gonna just go into that a bit. It's more like your it's your temperament. And if you have a raksha, which is demonic or more, you know. It means that there's a lot of power here. It's closer to Pluto energy, um, and you have to be very wary of how you use it. You can be very powerful in your in your Moon energy. There's a lot of comparison. There can be a lot of jealousy. There can be those kind of energies that you have to watch out for. Everything is meant to be transformed. In a good way, if you've transformed your Raksha temperament, you can be very protective. You can be extremely powerful in facing darkness with yourself and others, overcoming very dark and difficult times. So it's an extremely powerful energy that is sometimes needed. um, And if you have a very challenging life, you know, you have to fight power with power or, you know, um, so... Um and if you have a man like human temperament then you're open both to the divine the godlike and to the de- demonic so it depends on who you're with and who you how you have been integrating yourself how you have been you know transforming if you're leaning towards one or the other it's more open and the godlike temperament is very as is described godlike um it's very uh, kind compassionate always uh, overjoyed for other people very empathic um, does not get jealous does not have issues with um, comparisons um, is generally very sweet natured that that 's those three you can also see if you have a feminine or masculine moon if you 're a masculine moon you could be more um Logical in your emotional space. Um, More fiery also. If you're feminine, then you could be more flowing in your moon. You know, it's like a moon (laughs) 2.0. More moon in your moon. Um, So you can see that as well. And you have these pitfalls, um, for instance. We can take me as an example. I have Mula, Nakshatra, which is one of, I think... A Lot of people say it's the most difficult one, it's very uh dark, it's ruled by Kali. All of them have gods as well that rule them, so you have a divine entity ruling your moon as well. So, my moon is ruled by Kali, mm.
0: um,
1: so, uh, really so it's a, a moolah, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. <laughs> so it's like it's a death process through my emotions, and my moon is on. I think I mentioned this on the galactic center point of this black hole mm. and it's because Mula is in a space in the chart where the galactic center is, where there's many black holes. That is the emotional journey. You have to move in through a death to come out. That is, you know, frequently happening with Mula mm. and Akshatra. It is Raksha demon temperament. Um, um which means that there can be some cruelness possessiveness there can be like pitfall this is the pitfalls um the pitfalls for my ego is jealousy comparison and all this and this was very you know it was there in my younger days a lot I've worked a lot with it so it's not there now uh not as much anyway so that's a bit of a fight but because it's Kali, I have her with me in my moon, so if something comes up um I have a very strong you know energy towards facing quite harsh energies um if that makes sense, and so you can see your emotional process there um my moon is masculine, male um and so on so i have my moon is very much a process of you know reinvention, transformation, phoenix energy. Whereas another moon could have a complete different world. So that's very typical of the of the Vedic that does not exist in the Western. So when you look at the moon, what it means, you often look at the nakshatra as well. That's why I went in there again. Um, you also look at how you process emotion because the different houses have different elements, fire elements, air elements, and all this, which is as well in the Western. So if you have an air moon, then you process quick and all this. But it's the difference with the moon is mostly with the nakshatras because you have a lot more layers in there. You have um, Brahma is one of the nakshatra uh, rulers as well. Um, you have all a lot of gods that I think people have not heard of. Uh, it's rarer gods. Um,
0: yeah. So, yeah. so the sun
1: and Movie. moon, and then yeah, then yeah. Mars. I guess could go to yeah. Mars. Mars is the is the warrior, the protector, the boundaries. Your firepower. Um, Also, you could be it could be a warrior, which is it could either be destructive or not, depending on uh, if you have retrogrades in your chart. That is a lot of self doubt energy, a bit weird processing energy. Mars is self doubt when it comes to your boundaries. It can also be that it's hard to understand the masculine principle because the masculine is very present in the Mars. uh, vibration. And a lot of (laughs) women are attracted to Mars uh, energy. um, Whereas the divine masculine I said was very sun energy, but it's actually also Jupiter that is the actually, the actual Mm -hmm. masculine. Um, So Mars is very, um, you know, it's, it's the protector and the, and the keeper of peace in a way so if you have integrated your mars you will have a very strong boundary you will have a lot of energy to pursue your goals um you will protect yourself and your loved ones um and if you have these aspects you know like if you have chiron on mars you will be a very you know warrior for peace for others, you know, the one who protects the ones who need protection. So there's a lot of righteousness and like also loving, supportive help in Mars, but you have to balance it. And that's what is difficult in these times because it's like an over energy of Mars here. So we tend to, you know, shy away from it a bit because there's so much of it. Aggression, violence, um over-the-line, possessiveness, uh, you know, warriors. Mm-hmm. Not very emotional. So if you have Mars on your moon, your, your emotional life will be quite battered and and stomped on. So that could be a very difficult uh, connection. Um, so, yeah, that's essentially Mars mm-hmm. energy. No. Um, Mercury... Which we have in retrograde right mm-hmm. now. Um, Mercury is the communicator. It's the channeler. It's the joyous, curious uh, one who wants to learn very quick, very witty, very funny, um, very energetic. Ruled by um, houses Gemini and Virgo as well. So it's a green color connected with Gemini, uh, Gemini and Mercury. Is also very connected to he- healing, you know. It's very archangel Raphael is very present in in Mercury, um, Hermes, the communicator. You know the one with the winged shoes. Everything's very quick with Mercury, mm. quick and fun. Not much depth. Um, the thing is with it, it's it it's sometimes is too quick. It, the balance that is needed with mercury is to kind of integrate your your timing because you might run along and be too hasty with it communicate things without thinking first is one uh blabbing um talking behind people's backs gossiping that is the darker energies of mercury uh talking shit um lying um so there's a lot of like communicative and connected to truth as well what is true for you mm. what is your expressive truth so 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 that is very interesting there throat chakra connection with with mercury and gemini and virgo um, so yeah but there is a cosmic channeling energy as well because it's very ethereal it's very airy it's very um open and you know fun fun loving so we have that Mm um let's see here thinking where to go next we have venus venus generally is the loved uh the loving planet, um which people mostly see as where's my love the the partner um, but Venus actually is it, in its exalted position it's in Pisces basically, mm-hmm. which means that the the higher aspect of Venus is connection to your higher self that is essentially the ultimate cosmic love the unconditional love that people seek in other people Are they're not going to find it there they're probably not you know there's not many who believe that that kind of universal cosmic love can be anchored in this realm because of our vibration on Earth. You can feel it for a time, but it's very hard to anchor it and make it stick. So, Venus really represents a connection to your higher self, to consciousness, to it wants to merge. It wants to merge with. Uh, everything (laughs) that is the energy of it you know the lovers merging with two two becoming one Um, what it is in the Vedic what you really want to see what is the divine interpretation of the planets Venus it is consciousness connection to consciousness it's Lakshmi you know it's abundance Venus rules Taurus Um, enjoying life enjoying yourself blissfulness Um, And the the bliss of of having this Kundalini energy rising, which is, you can also see the chakras in the Vedic chart and Pisces exalted Venus is in the second chakra in the chart, which is sexuality and Kundalini and the divine feminine and, you know, this holy grail of the womb that we know Mm. we have. So it, it's it's very, if you, it can be very multi-layered in how you interpret this and people who, I mean, there's a lot of miscommunication and people, I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean love in a partner and it does describe, for a man, it does describe the woman in his life, Venus. If a woman is to look in her chart, she should look at Jupiter. If she wants a divine masculine, you know, that's where he mm-hmm. is. Uh. Venus for a woman will describe your divine feminine, your connection to your feminine. How do you feel about your femininity and how does that express itself? So we have that. Um, But this kind of energy of connection is what it wants to show you. And it's up to you, essentially. If you want to search for this divine connection in a human being, you might find that... If you're feeling empty, I will say, you will feel that that well, nothing will help because the connection is not in another being; it's in the higher self of you, your highest potential self. So that's essentially Venus exalted in Pisces, with which generally it's the twelfth house, so connection with everything, the merging when a drop becomes the ocean. That is Venus. Um, Moving to Jupiter then, which is, uh, I did a YouTube about Ganesha, and Jupiter is, is is Ganesha. So the marriage of Lakshmi and Ganesha is Venus and Jupiter coming together, which is a very divine energy. Jupiter is the guru, is regarded as the guru in the Vedic, the higher self. This is where your higher self comes um, to you in this place. So if you have it in your 11th house, it will be through friends and in groups. You might have opening doors through friends, blessings through friends. If you have Jupiter in your first house, you will feel in your physical form, your higher self, your intuition and your guidance will be felt very physically and very closely and very very connected to you. You also have morals and ethics and conscience uh, with Jupiter. So... If you have a person with Jupiter in first house, uh, they, they cannot lie. They will get physically ill if they lie. I have a couple of friends who I've seen this with that, you know, confirm this. Um, so Jupiter represents your guidance and it's the only planet that is stronger than Rahu, which I will come to next, which is also something that is different between the Western and Vedic. So that's going to be interesting. Mm. So yeah, Jupiter, you will, you will find the opening of doors, blessings, because it is Ganesha. He's the one you have to go to first to come through to what you actually, where you want to go. He's the one, the gatekeeper, basically, to the divine. Mm. So, and generally it's luck, you know, blessings and luck and good fortune and easy flow and all of this so it's a very expansive planet it's, it's everything it's, I mean you can also if you want to see a balancing view of Jupiter is that it, it enhances everything
0: mm.
1: it's everything bigger mm. and greater. and it's, that's not all you know for instance now we have Jupiter and Pluto conjunction in retrograde so Jupiter is going to expand the effects of Pluto retrograde because they're on the same degree so everything is a bit... Uh, this year is going to be very enhanced because these two are following each other um, and in the beginning of next year as well. So, so, you know, it depends, but generally it's a good aspect. Jupiter is a good thing. Um, if we go to what is in the Western known as the North Node and the South Node of the Moon, in the Vedic, they're called Rahu mm. and Ketu. And these, um, I don't know how much you you work with them in the Western. Yeah. Do you know? The,
0: the North Node and South Node, definitely a lot. It is really important in in, mm. in the readings. Um, and uh, yeah, representing Dharma and Karma. Mm. It's really, I think, a mm. good indication of where we're coming from and where we're going. I don't,
1: yeah. Exactly, exactly. That is exactly the way it's interpreted here as well. Rahu is the north and K2 is the south. So Rahu is the reason why you're here, future. Both of them represent the aspect of time. And K2 uh, south is karma, past lives. So what you look at in the charts is those two are very important. Rahu is 18 times stronger than anything else in in the chart. The only planet that can handle Rahu is Jupiter. That's the only one that is stronger than Rahu. And I remember my teacher years ago said that he had had, he had kind of thought about for a long time, why certain people in some countries and in some situations that are, that's so dire and it's so painful and it's so hard for them their lives you know why don't they end their lives he had a thought you know and he walked with this because he kind of couldn't understand something that we i mean in the western society we have a lot of poss- we have it quite nice mm. most of the time if you look at like syria mm. and you know places mm. like that now um and he really pondered this just to understand it you know not to judge it or anything like that, but just to understand why would you stay? What is it that makes a person stay in that misery when there's that's all there is? Seemingly, that's all there mm. is. I mean, I don't know, and he didn't know, but he walked with that. Um, so, and then he kind of fell into it, and the astrology interpretation would be mm. Rahu then, because it's so much stronger than all the other ones it keeps you on earth that is what pulls you in your incarnation here that shows you why you're here and what you're here to learn so in the Vedic what Rahu represents is that what's your purpose what is your um you know what have you chosen to learn because it shows where the soul has less knowledge you know it has things to integrate um, there are gaps in the experience of the soul here. This is the focus of your incarnation um, and then k two respectively is on the other end in opposition always and shows you uh, what you have done, what is in your backpack into this life what what's your past lives what's your karma and so in the in the vedic k two uh, is known a bit humoristically as Neti neti on Sanskrit, which means Um, not that Mm. and not that, (laughs) which it can bring with it a sense of denial because you're not meant to go there anymore. And that can be very frustrating, especially before Saturn return, because you want to do what you're comfortable with. The comfort zone is where K2 is. So you can spend a lot of time searching for this and be painfully, um, ignored or, or like you cannot have that. So if you have K2 in the fourth house with your mother, um, fourth mm-hmm. house is mother, it can indicate that you have had a lot of past lives that have been focused on family, on, you know, nurturing a family, having kids, being a mother or father and having all this life, you know, um, and really learned that. And then Rahu ends up in the 10th house. So you're here to be a career person you're here to learn how it is to be successful business work have an individual place uh, a role in that sense but what it can do is k2 and the fourth is uh, the denial of motherhood so you can search a lot of children who have this have a very painful experience growing up because they search for their mother and the more they look for her the less she gives uh, and it's like, you know, with batteries, plus and minus the poles, it's like magnetic movement. And it's very painful. So you can feel very denied uh, your mother's love. And this can, This is what it's meant to be. I will say it's there because it needs to be there because you need to learn something. Um, it can also mean that it's karma with the mother in that case and all this. But that's how you see it. Um, So you're supposed to focus in on the Rahu. And Rahu is so strong, it will drag you in there. It will drag you back to where it is. This is what you're meant to do. And can create a lot of different experiences. Because it needs to fill itself with experience. That You can look at it as an empty hole. So you can feel a little emptiness here as well. Like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what is right here. I have no experience here. So you have to learn. So that's Rahu and Ketu. And they also, um, they, they mature, is what they say, when it's like they've had their time for integration at like 42 years. Then Rahu is matured. And then it will be less uh, difficult. And you can move into another, another phase of being, which is more soul-focused than the sun energy and all this that we were talking about before. Um, so I think those two are very interesting. I love Rahu and Keitu. They say a lot about as you say the dharma and the karma. What is what what's here for the soul? What's the purpose, you know? Mm. So I love those. Um and they can be quite Yeah, no, sorry. I, Go on. <laughs> no, I want to hear
0: more about it. Uh, I just wanted to ask if there's any other um points that are I I assume there's a lot, but besides the planets and the nodes, is there anything else that is important to look at in the chart?
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, of course, yes. Um, The nakshatra, as I described, is one very important point because it says a lot about the inner uh, challenge. What is the challenge for this person when they're going to move through their own moon? That's one then we have the dasha um which is something that i don't think exists in the western the dasha is um let's see how to describe this this is the, the 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 higher selves or the soul's path all the planets in the dasha it's like a list it's like a period of time from your born these dashas roll and roll And it's determined where you're beginning. I'm going to try to make sense of Mm. this as I go, depending on where your moon is. So your moon starts your Dasha. And then the Dasha is like each planet has a different time frame. Um, So you have, for instance, Rahu time is 18 years. Rahu Dasha is 18 years. Um, I think Rahu and Ketu are seven years Um, the moon is 10 years. And so they roll, they have a pattern. They always follow the same time. And it's like, um, they're following in in their following Mm -hmm. each other. I'm not sure how to describe this, but it's like a period of time. And, um, so depending on where the moon is, the planet ruling your Dasha, um, your nakshatra, they also have planets ruling them, um, starts the Dasha. And this describes which planets are in focus in your chart right now. It's essentially a depiction of your soul's journey according to what your soul has planned. That's what, what, what it is. Um, so you can see what is your challenges at the moment. You can see if you have... Um, you can see if you have periods of time where it's meant to focus on yourself or when you're meant to focus on work. If you're in the moon dasha, it will be a lot of cleansing of emotions. Um, and if you're in Rahu dasha, there will be a focus on the Rahu aspect in your, um, in your um, chart. I'm going to see if I can find... Um, it's interesting. Find the list of... of in which order they are. If that's interesting, but that is, that's essentially what it is. Does that make sense? Or did I just not no, explain it? No, it makes sense.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. Does it? Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Please say if it doesn't, because I, I, mm. I know that I, uh, you know, it's, it is complex, these things, um, and the Vedic is mm. a bit complex. And I know that, you know, when you have, you have full understanding yourself, uh, but it's sometimes hard to, like, mm-hmm. describe, um, yeah. you know, to somebody else. Yeah, here we go. Um, the longest dasha is actually mm. Venus, 20 years. So they all have, like, you know, a very set pattern. So it's K2 and then Venus and then the Sun, Moon, Mars, Rahu, Jupiter, Saturn and Mercury. That's the order of them. And... um where you start in these is dependent on where your moon is, because your nakshatra is ruled by one of these planets. So for instance, mine is K2. My nakshatra is ruled by K2. So I was born into the K2 Dasha. Yeah. So my first time in my life was ruled by K2 past mm-hmm. lives, uh, denial, um, um Asceticism mm. or like eccentricity, uh, weirdness and can be quite harsh, uh, strict and that stuff. If you were born into a Jupiter Dasha, it could be, you could have uh, an, a start to your life, which is very blessed, that is filled with luck. Um, things are going easy and that's how you can see it. And then they move along and that is why, that's what you can look, you can look at that where it is. And, they have also guests, so these are the, you know, overlapping dashas, and then they have other planets that sort of guest them, so you can have, you can be in a moon dasha, but then Rahu enters, and so he's moon Rahu, and then you can see mm-hmm. where Rahu is, so that's kind mm-hmm. of how you look at it. Um, so they rule, and they, what they do is they describe the concept of divine mm-hmm. timing, essentially, When is it timing for me to move, to have a relationship? You can, that's how you kind of predict. That's how you do predictions in the Vedic. You can look at what is in the Dasha. Is there a divine timing for this now? Yes Mm. or no? And if it's not, maybe what you're feeling is to do with something else. If If you're meeting somebody and you're getting very loved up with that one and there's nothing in your chart that describes that there's a relationship guided, blessed by the by your chart, by your divine plan, then the relationship is probably doomed to not work out. It's not there to work out. It might be a karmic thing. It might be something you need to learn. You can see that. But if it's not in the chart, there's many people who are in relationships that has not been in alignment. And then, you know, it doesn't work out or it's filled with conflict. And it's just you know, not good. So that's how you can see it, is things, what things are in alignment according to the dasha, according to the plan. And this is also what the Western cut off, you know, you don't look Mm. at this, I don't think, in the Western. Mm. Um, Exactly. The nakshatras Mm. and the, so what is the divine flow of Mm. things? Um, So you can see, you can also go back in time. I've had a lot of instances happen in my life where, I've just, there's been very significant things happen. And the exact date is something aligning in the Dasha, shifting of planets or something, you know, on the exact day, which is very cool, which means that you're following your guidance, basically. Um, So that's, that is also different, Um, which I think is very interesting. But that one is a bit more, take some time to learn how to work with it to feel into it. And that's, I think, essentially the difference that it's more mythical. It's more subtle energies. It's more emotional energies. It's more, um, intuitive in a way. Um, you have to, you know, I'm not saying that the Western is not intuitive, but this is very, you know, um, so yeah. yeah,
0: I love it. Thank you so Should, much for yeah. sharing that. I think it's it's really a, a big science. It's like when you start tapping into something, you can like peel off each layer. But I also think it's it's uh, really for for most astrology. It's really good to have if you want to understand yourself, someone who can also read it. And you can learn about it deeper that way. And, and that's how you can start your journey if you're interested. And I assume that you do Vedic astrology readings for people.
1: Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. Yeah. definitely. I, I will also link um, all of your information. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, they can follow the links in the show notes. Because I think there's so much that... Can be learned here. I I I really need to look into this as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. It's it's so fun and it's so big. And I realized we didn't get through all the planets. And but I think it's a, it's a start. Yeah. Something. And if there's interest, there's always possible to talk more about it. To talk more about the difference. I mean, you can have one podcast about one yeah. planet because it's so it's so deep mm. in a way. Um, and th- this is also how I work when I do the star seed alignments. If I look at where your your, you know, which star star seed you have with you, I look at the Vedic chart um, and see which star systems you align with mm. in different ways, and then so you and can then see the go from there the
0: the origins from a star seed yeah. perspective as well. You can see that through the. Yeah. Do you look at that through the, the Vedic astrology chart or is it a different?
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I see which planets are close to the different uh, star systems. For instance, Sirius is in, in Gemini in, uh, in the Vedic yeah. and Lyra is in the Sagittarius. And you can look where if you have alignments there. Mm. Uh, and you can do that with Western as well. It's just a translation of, you know, the degrees. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's how I do that. And then I channel. Amazing. So, it's very interesting, these cosmic connections. And uh, I love talking about it. And I hope I make yeah, sense. Yeah, definitely. I loved it. <laughs> so interesting. And, I,
0: yeah, for sure. There's There will be more conversations about this. And, yeah, oh, definitely. I, yeah, I
1: would love to. As I usual, would love to. There are so many. Yeah, subjects. as usual. Such
0: <laughs> knowledge and inspiration. I'm really... Uh, grateful that you wanted to share this with all of us and I I really recommend everyone to uh, check out Emma's uh, Instagram and you also do uh, Facebook and YouTube and and just get in touch because I think how long would, would a reading be with you because I think it's so much like there's so much uh, yeah. you can look into <laughs> and you can... Yeah. There is
1: uh, a lot. And I usually do it when it's my... When it's clients that are overseas, America and other countries, I usually um, do it via WhatsApp. Yeah. I record um, messages and it's around 90 minutes, sometimes more, sometimes a little less, but that's around at least 90 yeah. minutes. And then I go through the chart, your aspects... And your Dasha, your Nakshatra, your, um, you know, the aspects I see, your Chiron. Chiron, I love to look at that and, because I think it's so deep and mm. so healing. Yeah. Um, and there are very interesting. You know, there's so many layers of everything you can do. And you can also have different readings that just look at the transits, what is happening right now. Yeah. Uh, if you're not interested in your in your birth chart, mm. it's based on the birth chart of of yeah. course, you know. So that's usually how I do it, uh, and it's uh, I can do phone calls as well, but it's a bit more difficult when it's different time yeah. zones. But yeah, yeah, so so that so is so interesting,
0: and thank um... you so much for <laughs> for doing this today. I'm sure we will talk again and talk more deeply in in. To this. there's so much to uncover so i, I would just Aww. want to say thank yeah, you I'm super grateful thank you so much and i'm wishing you so much love and blessings thank you so much for listening i hope that this episode helps you on your journey and that maybe you can find some inspiration to learn more about astrology and to discover vedic astrology I'm super inspired and so grateful for Emma, and I really encourage you to check out her Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. She does amazing work, and you can find all of the links in the show notes in this podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Let's close this podcast with a deep inhalation through the nose, and exhale out through your mouth. Namaste.